Welcome to Forge Comics. Your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories, and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey. Welcome, everybody, to another week here at Forge Comics. Want to start us off with some comic book news. I uh, got one thing to announce that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, the classic characters from Milestone Comics are coming back. So we're going to get kind of a, a new look at characters like Icon and one that's very close to my heart from my childhood, Stat- Static Shock. Uh, I read the first issue of Static Shock, and I can tell you it was very good. So you should check those out for sure. And if you're a big fan of Jupiter's legacy, it looks like uh, they are continuing that story on paper. And the next edition is called Jupiter's Legacy Requiem. So I don't have an ETA for that, but if you were a big Jupiter's Legacy fan and you're disappointed that the show is canceled, at least there's more coming in the form of a comic book. And I think that's pretty much all we have for comic book news today. So we'll jump right into the, the main section of our podcast. Uh, as you may have noticed by the title, we're going to be talking about leadership today. And we're going to do that in the context of, first of all, analyzing a story uh, that is dear to my heart again, lots of things dear to my heart today. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about um, Kingdom Come. And Kingdom Come is a very well-known DC comic. It's written by Mark Wade with art by the famous or infamous, according to some people, uh, Alex Ross. And uh, basically excited to to break this down. Do you guys have anything you want to start us off with before we start talking about this? I love the art. Pete, Pete was saying he doesn't really like the art, but I love it. I love the art. And we've already talked about this off, uh, off podcast that that's probably going to be a big argument because Trey is not a fan of it, which is blasphemous. Oh, set me up for failure. <laughs> it's just blasphemous. So it's fine. We'll get into it. I do want to I do want to mention because um, I was kind of short on time this week, which is really unfortunate because the artwork in this in this comic is amazing. But I do want to shout out I don't know who uploaded it, but it's on YouTube and it's like an audiobook version of it. And I recommend if you guys don't have time to sit down and uh, read the comic, you can listen to it and it is amazing. They got voice actors and everything. So literally just youtube dc kingdom come and it's like a playlist and they're 10 minutes each and there's about 15 to 20 videos um and it does go over the panels but if you just want to listen to it that's a that's a great way to do it so that's just a recommendation yeah thank you uh one thing i wanted to pull show really quick to kind of give context to the story so this story um like i said by mark wade uh, it's basically a four-issue miniseries, 50 pages each, so it's about 200 pages total. It is an Elseworld story, so we're talking about this. It's not in main continuity. Um, an Elseworld basically means it's like a what-if. So with the new Marvel series coming out, people are more familiar with that term, a what-if. What if this happened instead of this? So an Elseworld is basically taking the characters and giving us variations of them so we can still have good stories, but we can do what we want with the characters without having to worry about how it's going to affect um, how it's going to affect the timeline. We're all very aware of timelines right now with the TVA, so we're trying to make sure we, uh, we don't do that. Um, it did win uh, several different awards, and I think it's important to note that it won five Eisner and Harvey Awards, which is basically the equivalent of winning an Oscar for comics. So uh, pretty well-renowned. And I think we're going to start off before we can talk much about um, the leaders and how this story kind of portrays leadership um, in many different ways. I think we need to kind of give a recap of what's happening. Uh, go ahead and kind of walk us through that. And then if you guys want to interject when there's things that maybe I missed or things that you guys want to point out, uh, feel free to do so. So I'm doing this in chronological order, not necessarily in the order that it comes up in the comic. Um, the whole catalyst of this story is basically 10 years ago in the past, the Joker attacks Daily Planet and kills everyone. Uh, it's 90 people and Lois is one of those people. So everyone dies. And then Joker's on trial. Superman shows up to obviously testify to get him in jail. But there's another hero there named Magog, who's like a younger hero. And he kills a Joker in front of everyone. Um, And afterwards, people are starting to pull for Magog to kind of 
take up a new a new generation of heroes. Uh, they start to have this belief that Superman's way of having a code um, is not working for the type of violence that we're seeing. Um, if you're familiar with the recent Netflix series that came out, they may or may not have pulled this idea from Kingdom Come. <laughs> so it's a similar idea. They, he has a code. The new heroes don't want to follow that code. Quick question, is Magog or Magog, does he show up in other comics? Is he a big time villain? Uh, no. As far as I know, Magog is only in Kingdom Come. I felt like I had heard of him and recognized his design, but IGN has him ranked as the 75th villain of all time. That's crazy that he's. In, I thought he was an amazing character. Yeah. He's so awesome. it's kind of. I'm surprised that he hasn't been in anything else. Um, it says he did make an appearance in the JSA, um, Justice Society of America afterwards. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. It is interesting to me that he's 75th best villain and he's not in anything else. Um, but we're looking at that a little bit more because that is a good thing to bring up. Anyway, so he kind of leads this this new regime of superheroes. And Superman, after finding out that people don't support his ways, um, is distraught and he's lost. He just lost his tie to humanity. He lost his girlfriend or wife at the time, Lois Lane. And so he abandons the world. Fun fact, and I thought I recognized this, literally Magog was designed to look exactly like Cable. And I literally thought this guy looks like Cable. And there's a quote here. And they basically were crapping on Rob Liefeld's character designs. And they said, what I was stealing from was really only two key designs of Rob's, the design of Cable, which I hated. I felt like they looked like they just threw everything on the character, the scars, the thing going on with the eye, the arm, and all the guns. And this literally is- has a metal arm coming across <laughs> to the chest, a messed up eye, and white hair. <laughs> That's anyway, funny. Sorry. Good, good side note uh, to tie up last week's, last week's podcast. Um, but yeah, so after Magog um, does this, Superman is distraught and he decides if people don't want him to do things his way anymore, um, he is going to basically abandon the world and go into, I don't know, solitude, I guess we can call it. Um, the other heroes that follow, follow his footsteps are basically all of the J, Justice League and the JSA too. Um, all of these characters kind of follow Superman's suit and follow him into, into hiding or into um, a more recluse state. The only one that still is kind of doing something is Batman, who has turned Gotham into a military state. So he decided to take control of Gotham. He had to just use robots to control everybody. Um, and that's kind of what we're getting for the pretext of this um, of this story. So now 10 years have passed um, and things are getting out of control. So we're going to mention another character that is very important. Um, his name is Norman McKay. Um, and he is kind of the narrator of this story. So he and the Spectre are basically using the Spectre's powers to narrate what's happening. So um, Norman will go from one set of characters to the next. Um, and the whole idea of the Spectre says, I need you to be the judge of what's happening in the world and tell me who are these groups of people, which of these teams deserves to, to win, basically. And your judgment is what I'm going to believe. So I think that's something too important to note because it gives us more context and more um, of a writer's view, giving us the idea of having a, a direct narrator, a direct tie to what's happening um, as someone who's basically not involved in the madness, but is just seeing the madness. Um, it's, a, it's a very good, a good literary tool to, to instill. Did you guys have any questions about Norman or kind of his role um, just at the start? Did you guys understand who the Spectre was? Any questions about that? Um, with Norman, does he actually become Sandman or was he just kind of given this? The old guy, the yeah. old guy that he met at the beginning was Sandman, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, given I, his powers, it's not officially stated that he becomes Sandman. Oh, he was though. given the powers? That's because he has the same visions that the, well, this whole thing starts out because Norman starts to see visions that an old man before him, when he was visiting him at his deathbed, had those same visions. And that's where the Spectre shows him. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, the Spectres are weird, a very weird character. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan, but it, I guess it served them. It was interesting that they felt the need to explain how and why Norman was able to witness everything, because normally comics just jump from place to place, and it's Anyways, like, well, we're yeah. telling you the story. It's like, it was interesting that they felt like they needed to give us a vessel through which to see it, but it, it made a little more sense at the end. Yeah, I think, I think it's supposed to give us an idea of Norman's trying to figure out who he should judge, Yeah, and it's helping us to decide we should be trying to figure out who we side with, too. Um, so again, 10 years pass, basically. 
Um, other DRG heroes have followed Superman steps, and now things are basically getting out of control. Um, what happens is Parasite, a villain, um, had some sort of standoff with uh, some of the heroes. They end up getting into a fight, and in the end, Captain Adam's arm was cut off, and it explodes and kills like a million people. Because Captain Adam is basically a giant nuclear reactor. Yeah, you know who Doctor Manhattan is. He's the more moderated version of him. Um, not yeah, that, that was interesting because the idea was Parasite had surrendered and Magog was refusing to accept his surrender, um, basically saying like all just justice at all costs, right? And then yeah. because they overreacted and overused, overexerted themselves and used more force than was required, there were massive casualties. Which, which is an underrated. I like when superhero stories go into that where they. They say, okay, yeah, it's great that you're all super powerful and benevolent, but like one slight misstep in judgment and like a lot of people could die. And this was a great example of that. Yeah. And so this kind of causes people to question, okay, maybe we do need to step back in. Um, Wonder Woman is actually the first to notice this. So she goes and visits Superman, understanding that people tend to follow him and say, look, you have to come out of hiding. You have to come back and you have to, um, to help us. And this is your first look at the older Superman um it's the ponytail baby the ponytail on the back the white hair like reed richards um the nice overalls with no shirt it's pretty pretty classic scenes of him on the farm it's like a just an old weathered superman i like it um and he basically tells one woman no but a few panels later we see that there's more action that's happening in the city and you see superman basically come down from the sky with a league of people behind him telling us that he has decided to get back into the fight um we can probably unpack that a little bit. What are your guys' thoughts on him leaving for 10 years and then just deciding to come back and take on the fight again? Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I thought I had missed something. So I, I had to actually go back and re-listen to it because I thought I missed like the motive or like the catalyst to him showing back up. But there wasn't really like a significant one. He just does. <laughs> so you could say, say that again? It was the Kansas nuclear bomb thing, basically. Right, 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 right. But you're um, right, there's no connection between that. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like, that happens. So it's like he thought back. about it, so now he's coming back. Yeah, and I guess the conversation with Wonder Woman, right? But he seemed pretty adamant of, like, not wanting to be involved Yeah. when he was talking to her, so. I, what I thought was interesting was, when Pete and I have talked about this, is, like, Superman, it's... It's hard to buy in that Superman would be a benevolent, godlike figure through all circumstances and all times. And we've seen injustice try to portray what would happen if Superman felt differently about humanity. And we've kind of all agreed that that was an unrealistic take. He wouldn't go crazy and become a dictator. But we've talked about this is a very realistic take of a man who just busts his back all day, every day to protect Earth sees it getting worse anyway and sees other superheroes say like hey get out of here old timer like your ways are gone very believable that he would be like okay fine i'm just gonna go farm somewhere else yeah and move on and refuse to help that's very believable. i was just gonna say i think the kind of like i guess you could say the backstory to each character the the three right the uh, wonder woman batman and superman kind of the the things that happen behind scenes or in the past that that are just vaguely touched on in the comics are all very believable. Like you said, Superman, also Wonder Woman, who basically gets kicked out of being part of the 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 uh, Amazons and takes, you know, gets uh, stripped away from her royalty and her title because she wasn't able to prove that humanity is better. And then Batman, I mean, being Batman, probably the most predictable one is he's just kind of goes nuts and creates a, a police state in in Gotham City. With I his, love that though. Yeah. Robots. That's what I've been saying he needs to do this whole time. <laughs> hey, and as evidence of what I've been saying, didn't they declare that Gotham was basically utopia? Yep. So that's what needed to happen at some point. Yeah, you know, but, it's, but it's, not it's, using a military state. It's exhausting. But Superman, it's, Superman clearly. I mean. Yes, a utopia. Later on, because I think there's a very there's some. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right, because it it does tie into leadership and stuff. So So this is the first time I've ever been Team Batman. So my thing with Superman that I like about this is we talked about this with injustice. I have a lot of problems with injustice because the catalyst for injustice is the same as this one. Lois gets killed by the Joker pretty much. What I I actually didn't realize. 
it's the exact same kind yeah, of I didn't realize that Lois died. I just thought that May got killed the Joker and everyone's saying like, that's okay. Was yeah, the, was the but it ties back to this idea of Joker killing Lois. It's just the response is different. What I like about this is again, kind of what we talked about this with, with Trey earlier that uh, I can see a weathered man giving up. And I like that Superman gives up. It's, it shows him not being so ideological and being so, so faithful, he has this moment of weakness and basically just says, okay, I'm, I'm throwing in the cape, literally. Um, I like that a lot for Superman. I think it gives him some more depth as not being perfect because he gave up on humanity. And now, 10 years later, we see the result of that. Um, aside from all this, what's going on, it's important to understand that all these new characters are supposedly the kids and grandkids of the OG heroes, which is important to basically say there's hundreds of them. It even says thousands in the comic book. It's a little Whoa, more. that also sounds familiar. <laughs> hmm. uh... Jupiter's legacy. Well, and what's crazy is in both of these stories that are unrelated, the superheroes procreate at an un a ridiculously yes. unrealistic rate. Like, what did he just like rabbits have kids with everybody? Like, what the frick? There's like a hundred thousand of them. Assuming it's been forty years. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. But I think it's important because it does show that there's a lot of them. Is basically what they're trying to get. At. My personal favorite was the guy with the sixes around his nipples <laughs> and on his face and the nipple rings. It really reminded me of you, Jojo. <laughs> Oh. for those of you that don't have an image in your head of what jojo looks like now you do now you do <laughs> um that guy had a lot of screen time like a lot he, was, he even had dialogue yeah yeah so yeah basically getting out of control superman after saving some people with his new team they make um they tell everyone out there who's trying to question him and reporters and he says meet me at the un he goes to the un with his team classic justice league scene of you know superman kind of giving a speech with his league behind him and he basically says, we're going to go, we're going to teach everyone and recruit them to join our team, or we're going to educate them and arrest them, which is a bit of an extreme. Um, well, it's naive. The gulag. The only word you need to describe Superman is naive. Yeah, and the writing is great, but I think what's so interesting is like Superman has a moment of weakness, but now he thinks that he can just come back and inspire all of these new generations to follow him. It's like, that's not what's going to happen. You Well, you, uh, I mean... Yeah, you're right. He, he does inspire some people, right? They even have that conversation where they're just like, wow, like I would follow him anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's a it's a handful compared to the masses. that going to have that sentiment and they shouldn't. He left them. So I think that's fair. That's the thing, too, is like, well, we follow you till you decide you're done with us again. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's hard. You don't immediately gain that trust back. And I honestly I love that we're having this conversation about Superman because it's not a conversation you can typically have. Um, right, normally, normally in re in regular continuity, he, has, he doesn't have any flaws. So we had to go. We had to go outside of the canonical stuff to, to find flaws with Superman. Oh boy! But so recruit some people. Other people are starting to revolt against this. Superman goes and visits Batman to say, "Hey, are you going to join me?" Batman basically says, "No, I don't agree with what you're doing. You've been sitting on the sidelines, and I don't. I think you're going to cause more more good than bad by going down this iron curtain." And it's like, but isn't that exactly what you did in Gotham? But you're getting mad at Superman for trying to instill it in the world. It's like, none of you guys are right, but apparently Batman's right because you're, I don't know, it, it bugs it's, me. Well, it's almost like, first of all, back to the earlier point, like I will say this about Batman and I respect this about Batman is he has always been very clear about what his goals are and it's to clean up Gotham. And he's never stretched himself too thin by saying like, okay, I'm going to clean up the entire world. And I respect that. And I think that this idea of one man or one small group changing the society works in a city whereas Superman essentially came back and was like, I'm going to fix the whole world. And that's in a world of ridiculousness, that's extremely ridiculous. But at least Batman was like, hey, this is my domain. I have a sworn duty to protect it. And this military police-like state works here. Like he didn't say this would work everywhere to yeah. his credit, you know? And I think... I think part of Superman, there were a lot of flaws in Superman's plans, but one of them was that he thought the same plan was going to work for the whole world. And his plan was terrible, like on top of everything else. Like put all the, did you explain the plan yet? No. We'll get, we, can, we, we can go there now. It's hard when I'm like, I will say, because I, I was listening to this part and it was just funny because Batman's basically just sitting behind a computer screen watching everything that goes down in Gotham. And I just imagine like, like, uh, a Batman version where he lets himself completely go and he's just got like a, <laughs> like, like sucking on a straw like a with a 
expecting like Thor from Endgame, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. He's sitting there with all these he's screens like, outside. He's playing video games. He's playing Arkham Knight. <laughs> yeah, but Gotham is but Gotham is safe. So yeah. it's like, man, it was like it's it was life. worth it. And he's like such a douche too, right? Like when <laughs> Superman shows up, he's just like, "Hello, yeah, Clark." He's yeah. like, it's not Clark anymore. He's like, okay, Clark. <laughs> Superman has defiled his name. He like won't be Clark anymore because he feels like he doesn't deserve. I don't know. He he rejects his humanity basically. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So moving on, um, humans are also mad at Superman because they don't feel like he has the authority, which he doesn't. So it's fair. Batman ends up siding with Lex, and they're trying to create a super team to stop. Um, Superman. Meanwhile, Superman. I love how Lex looks exactly like the Kingpin from the yeah, Daredevil Netflix show. He's fat same. and bald, and he's a jerk. Yeah, it's the same. Um, Superman starts uh, jail in the wastelands of Kansas um, that have occurred, and it's called the Gulag. In order to memorialize this place, we're <laughs> going to shove all of our superpowered prisoners here as a memorial to the people who died. Yep. And it's called Gulag, and it's <laughs> ridiculous. Gulag, and it's going to be run by Magog. And it's like, what the frick are we reading? Um, but yeah, all the supervillains are going there. Um, as you can imagine, it gets overfilled, and there's riots, and now they're escaping out of this big prison, and there ends up being a huge battle. Um, wait, wait, sorry. I want to go back to my earlier point. Gulag actually means a sister of labor camps maintained in the Soviet Union from the 30s to the 50s. So literally, he formed a concentration <laughs> camp, and he's like, "No, no, no, this is a good plan." Like, no, 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 reeducation camp. <laughs> reeducation yeah, camp. We're gonna reeducate them. But what if they don't agree? Yeah, yeah. No, they will. <laughs> and so this is where we talk a little more in the discussion. But one thing that's interesting to add context: Superman still has this idea that he won't kill them. And Wonder Woman is like, no, we should kill them if they're not going to come on, if they're not going to join us. And he's like, well, I won't cross that line. But it's like Superman's really, tr- you can tell he's completely lost right now because he doesn't know what to do. So your line is like, what, like lifetime imprisonment, but for some reason you won't just kill the violent ones, so you'll imprison everyone else. It's like, what, bro? What you yeah, afraid? there's a lot of flaws in that Take plan. a lane. And Wonder Woman's like full on, like, no, I'll just murder them. Like, I don't care. Like, oh, well, okay. I didn't get the vibe that she was saying murder everyone. I just got the vibe that she was saying some people are too dangerous to be allowed to live. That's not the same thing. Yeah. Right? That's Actually, I think of all out. of all the leaders, and we'll get into this, but I think of all the leaders, Wonder Woman is by far, like, at least few and far between, like, the, the best example. And she at least and knows what she wants. Like, she may be a little extreme in her motives and, like, what she's doing, but at least she knows... And with you out for context, she can she's been knocked out of Themyscira because they told her she didn't do her plan of inspiring the world. And so she's like, all right, well then I'm gonna do things the right way. And she knows what she's getting at. Um, she still wants to inspire people, uh, but she is okay with with getting rid of these people who won't kind of live by their previous set code. Um, to end off the story, what happens is a big battle. Um, Superman ends up fighting a brainwashed Shazam. Shazam was kind of Lex Luthor's secret weapon against him. Um, he gave him worms. Yeah, he gave him weird worms that brainstormed, I don't know, brainwashed him. This was actually one of the few issues I had with this story, is I felt like they didn't explain well enough, one, that that was full-grown Billy Batson, not Shazam form, because he looked exactly like Shazam. Yeah, and they didn't ex- they didn't really explain that he was being brainwashed or that he had been traumatized. So his presence didn't really make a lot of sense, in my opinion, unless I was just missing something. I think they do explain that the brainwashing is explained with the worms that he's giving. You guys him felt these, like it was. You guys yeah, felt I felt like it was. I don't know what JoJo thinks. Yeah, I actually I because of this, I grew to appreciate and actually really really like Shazam. Dude, Shazam's um, Shazam is Shazam's one of the most. If we're in a, we're gonna do a podcast on this most underhyped character. Sure. Shazam is one of them for me. Yeah. Maybe and, then, and, then, and then Superman and Batman. <laughs> but is no, he underhyped? Because maybe, maybe, maybe in modern days he's underhyped because I heard that at one point he was outselling Superman comics. As an yeah. independent comic, and then they bought him. It's fascinating. And yeah. then Plastic Man is the same way. They were both really hyped. So DC bought him. DC likes to do that. But wait, I do have a question. So. Did you guys understand that that was full-grown Billy Batson who just happened to look exactly like Shazam? Well, the idea is that Shazam is a perfected version of Billy Batson. Since when? Age. That's what it is. If you look at like... Oh, that's not how it started. 
But I see what you're saying. Like, you're not going to have a child and then when he's it's his adult form but like more I muscular never, more i never knew that it was his adult form because when yeah. they originally shazam was created it was a separate entity entirely yeah okay but i didn't modern that. continuity it's, it's like full grown billy yeah, batson. Like, okay sick. if billy batson were to age 15 years and be on steroids this is what he would look like oh that's sick yeah that's really cool yeah i liked his inclusion and i loved how it was like the one person who could hurt superman oh wait did you get to the yet part yet i also really liked how superman cut his finger on wonder woman's sword yeah, I was like, "That's right. He's weak to magic. Why do we never talk about this?" Which it's is always good. the rock. It's, it's always the green rock. It's never the sharp, the magic. And the magic's cool because it foreshadows the fact that Shazam, who's magic based, is powerful enough to take on. So, were they saying outside of his cripple, crippling weakness of like saying Shazam and turning him back, Shazam is stronger than Superman? It's it's a big argument between the two. I think I honestly think Shazam can take him. Right. Him. It's just Shazam. It would depend. Like Superman could take him into space because if Shazam is what you say he is, he probably wouldn't be able to breathe in space, right? So Superman can't breathe in space. Yeah, he can. He was wearing a ventilator when they went to. No, space. no, no, no. It was to communicate with Wonder Woman. That's the only reason why. From what I understood and when I was listening it to it, honestly, it depends. I've seen been, comics where he has a ventilator. And I've seen comics where he doesn't. So I really don't. I can't answer that because the writer chooses. Because so. here's the thing is when Wonder Woman and Superman have their moment in space, He's she mentions the fact, but she mentions the fact that, yeah, but the rest of us need air. Oh, yeah. Because he's saying, oh, I'm surprised that you you can fly. I'm surprised you didn't like come out and check out space or whatever. And she's just like, well, yeah, well, the difference between us that can fly and you is we need air. Right. So good call. Good call on that. Um, wow. Look at yeah, look at you. That audiobook really, really. Moving on up. But so Superman basically fights brainwashed Shazam. He convinces Shazam to come out of being brainwashed. And at the same time, it's important to note the humans are basically trying to decide if they should destroy this whole superhero battle because it's going to end in a world war. And they decide to shoot a nuke at them. Um, Superman decides, you know what? I'll take the sacrifice. I'm, I'm not going to let these people die for um, my mistake of leaving and not inspiring. So he flies up to get the missile and ex- make it explode. But Sazam actually grabs him by the ankle, throws him to the ground, and he flies up first and blows up the missile. Um, Superman gets mad about this and goes and visits the UN to be mad. Now Norman actually enters the picture again and convinces Superman um, as kind of more of an entity because he comes out of nowhere and says, hey, like, you need to be better than this. You need to, they're never going to forgive you for this, Clark. You can't do this. And Superman kind of comes out of it, and they... He basically says at the UN, okay, I'm going to work with you guys. I won't disobey your authority. Let's develop a plan to stop the violent actions that are happening. And that's kind of where I want to end this. There's an epilogue of them a year later getting lunch together, which is unimportant. Um, and ridiculous. Stupid. I actually so, really, uh, maybe <laughs> no. it's because of the audio book version, but it, it's actually pretty funny. It's it is funny. funny. I don't want to They go to, over. sorry, they go to like a planet Hollywood, like in LA, but it's planet Krypton. And so everyone in there is like superhero dressed and it's just ridiculous. I just don't want to live in a world where Superman and Wonder Woman get married. Yeah. And also, yeah. also, yeah. I mean, it's the exact same thing as Utopia and Lady Liberty getting together and having kids. Like this literally, like I liked this story a lot and it was like by default, I like liked Jupiter's legacy less, <laughs> honestly. Like I hate that it happened, but I was just reading, I was like, frick like i know what's gonna happen and it's because i read jupiter's legacy and i just like dang Martin it makes Moore. you feel bad because you realize wait this came first though so Way it's like, earlier like like 20 25 years, years. Yeah. yeah so it's funny disappointing pull it together mark mark miller not mark wade <laughs> oh fair, fair. <laughs> but that's kind of the recap um what i kind of want to do is we'll get into the discussion now um what we want to do is look at each of these kind of leaders we see talk about them, talk about what we think went well for them, what doesn't, and then move on from there. Most obvious one to talk about, Superman. What kind of traits does he do to lead by in the beginning compared to the end? How does that work for him? What doesn't work for him? Jojo, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think Superman's really interesting in this story because you see that, especially if you've read his, his other comics or just know who he is, you see that he almost relies too much on his past kind of perfectionism um, and like this moral code to the point where he, it 
it like backfires, right? And we, we already discussed, he is able to convince some people just from his example to, to join um, the Justice League or the, the team that, he, that he's making up. But the majority of, of the people aren't really interested in it. And um, yeah, it is funny because there are so many parallels to Jupiter's legacy and like the utopian where he's too stuck on his moral code um, to the point that it it drives him away from actually being a leader. So I would make the argument that in this storyline, except for at the very, very end with Shazam, like even when he's talking to the public, I wouldn't even say that he's a good example of a leader um, until the very end with Shazam. And even that you could argue against because he was upset that that happened. It was almost like it's this weird almost realization of him always having to be the one that fixes everything and the fact that Shazam sacrificed himself to fix something it almost like you could argue that it ate away at him it's like oh, well I should have been the one interesting that's interesting I, which I do get I think he's saying it's like I should be the one since it's my mistake but I see what you're saying too interesting I, I didn't really think about it like that but I like that I, I agree I thought that pep talk he gave to Shazam was the first time he exhibited any real leadership in this story. And I think Superman is a fascinating character in this respect. He's the very, he's the typical example of like the best player on the sports team, not being the captain. Like just because you're the physically the most capable, you score the most goals, you're, you're, you carry the team physically. It doesn't make you a leader. And I don't really think throughout comics, he has the personality of a leader. He's not even an alpha. Like, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, every team needs different people. And I think, Personally, Batman works best in a universe where we accept that he's not physically on par with Superman, but he is the leader. Like, Superman didn't, in my opinion, inspire any leadership in this. All of his decisions were questionable. He didn't consult with anybody. He felt like, this is my mistake, so I'll fix it with the best that I can come up with rather than the best solution, which was a a typical failure on the part of leadership. He should have consulted with other people. He rejected Wonder Woman's concerns. Yeah, I I like this story because we saw Clark as a fallible man for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think you guys all bring up interesting points. And the reason why I wanted to read this story is because I think it shows him as a fallible man. Um, One of the things I wanted to bring up with what you guys are talking about. um, So Superman is known as inspirational, right? That's what his big thing is, hope. Uh, motivational in pretty much all of comics he's the motivation so that naturally gets associated with being like a transformational leader Um, but that doesn't mean that he should be leading the team and this story shows that if you put him at the helm him being the one to make the calls things are going to go wrong because his ideology is his fault to some extent and so by him making the calls he doesn't have the background to do so and we see that in this yeah he can inspire people he can be the guy coming down from the sky to make you feel good about yourself and to give you hope in a better world. But when it comes down to, okay, what are we going to do in this situation? Should his input input be involved? Yes, but he should not be the one to make the ultimate call. I don't think, I don't think he's been trained for it. There are people who are way more qualified on the justice league, i.e. wonder woman. We can talk about it later. Leaders of society, leaders of societies who have legitimate Aquaman, even all these people who have been raised not on a farm. And we'll get into this later. There are other heroes who decide not to get involved because it's not best for their people. And Superman's leadership, I don't want to say style because I don't think it's even a style. The instances in which he leads, and this is even in the canonical stuff, is very passive. Exactly. He leads because he goes around saving people. But he's not in any shape or form an active leader, except in like Red Sun, where he actively decides to take over the Soviet Union and then the world. And that's an example of him failing as a leader. So basically these only instances where he decides to become a leader are elseworld stories that are abject failures. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because in continuity about, I think only 20 issues ago, um, they're trying to basically create like a UN for the, a bunch of planets and Superman is like, well, I guess I can be the one to, to be the leader for this. And the government's basically saying, no, you're not qualified. Like, and it's pretty great because they're like, look, you're, you're great here, but you don't have the, you don't have the, the mandates or the merits i should say sorry to do that and i like that and superman's a little taken back because he's served them for so long but i mean it's true he doesn't so i like i like that and you see this again now what happens when he leads um 
there is there is something to that because as much as we're judging superman's leadership um i think you guys would agree and say that in this portrayal of him it's actually one of the better versions of superman or at least the most relatable one because he he obviously does have some weaknesses um and he's a little more human with that being said i think and trey kind of touched on this is realizing the the role that you play and even though superman can't be like the alpha leader and like the head leader he definitely can provide in a team effort those kind of qualities that you need to to find success right and to put him on kind of like this pedestal of being a leader obviously pd you said and even other stories like he's not he's not qualified and what i really enjoyed about this story too is they mentioned the fact that um that if superman basically didn't come to earth like if 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 yeah, if that never happened, that he would basically be an average Joe or a plumber on his home planet. Um, and then Wonder Woman kind of makes the the argument that, you know, his moral code wouldn't allow for something like that to happen. And I think we have to realize that just because you're not a leader, just because you don't have those qualities to be a leader doesn't mean that you're less than everyone else. And so Superman, I can't, I can't see Superman being like this average Joe or this plumber, right? That's the kind of the example that they use is just being this human and, and normal, no matter what society he lives in. Even if he lived in a society where he's the weakest person, just his character in itself, he would kind of be the cream of the crop. Well, but so again, so that doesn't mean that you're going to be a great leader, right? That's a great point. I mean, I think the Clark that we see on Earth over relies on his physical capabilities and it got him so far that he didn't need to or have the opportunity even to flesh out these leadership skills that because typically like the best person on a team in a sport that will carry you so far yeah like these guys that are the best athletes on their teams the, the nfl a lot of times is the first time that these guys are like oh i'm not or the major leagues like oh, I have to develop the other facets of my game because I've been able to make it so far on physical ability alone. I think Clark is a great example of getting so far and becoming such a prominent hero and icon just on his physical abilities and that his presence carried so much weight that he didn't have to negotiate or really work with people in a lot of instances, whereas someone who can't get the job done all by themselves. Like, can you imagine Clark delegating? Like, Hey, Batman, can you go take care of that? It would be faster for him to go do it, right? But that's not a leadership trait. Like, and I think he would suffer from this idea of, well, I'm the leader. I need to do everything. Whereas somebody who physically can't would develop more of the team lead skills to like delegate and say, Clark, you do this. Diana, you do this. And, and I think that's where Bruce chips in a lot of the time. Um, so one thing I think just to kind of wrap this up with Superman, I, I like that we're all kind of on the same page. And I like the sports analogy a lot because I think if we look at like a wide receiver or a running back, they're going to be great at what they do. And people are going to be inspired by their great physical efforts. And in some instances, they may portray themselves well in interviews. They may, they may do a good job of portraying themselves, but that doesn't mean they should be the coach of the whole team. And I think that's a good way of looking at Superman. I'm personally, I love him. He's obviously my favorite character in all comics but I fully accept that he shouldn't be the leader. And I, I don't like him as a leader because this kind of stuff happens. He's not, he's not capable of being the leader in the action, the action or the call maker. Um, is there not so many thoughts on, on that with Superman? All right, well, then I think we should uh, move on to the next leader we see in this, uh, which is Batman. What kind of leadership skills do we see in him and how does it work for him? He's a real douche. He's a real douche. Um, I never like when people stab other people in the back, even if it means like, oh, I'll work with the. I worst. love it. <laughs> I'll work with the villain and then immediately stab him in the back. Like that just never sits right with me. So I didn't like that component of what Batman did. But I, I thought the rest of his plan. I mean, it was very cathartic for me to see Batman finally institute some kind of like effective way of cleaning up Gotham and to see it essentially work was very validating for me because I've been saying for years <laughs> that Batman needs to like 
him running around in his underwear is not going to fix Gotham. You know, I thought more like along the lines of hiring like a private police force, but sure, an army of bat robots is like, (laughs) whatever. And then, but he clearly exhibited leadership when he went and got a lot of these young heroes to work with him. And I I was a refreshing take on on Batman, I'll be honest. I think it's the best character portrayal that fits with who he is because um, he is dark so it makes sense that he can he kind of comes off as like a jerk or like even kind of digs at throws salt and open wounds um oh. there's a few times there's a few times that the conversation he's had with superman or even wonder woman where he kind of does that right and it's it's just kind of the relationship and character that he is you just deal with it because he is such an asset but I agree with Trey. I think that that did kind of rub me the wrong way that he was so quick to to just join Lex Luthor for a, a means to an end, right? Um, very selfish in a way. Like even if his purpose is to do good, um, it it's it's very uh, egocentric. So. I mean, I think it's understandable he was in mourning. I mean, he really lost the one person that mattered to him, and he, the Joker. <laughs> well played. <laughs> That's where this all went wrong. Batman <laughs> lover. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think, honestly, I agree with everything you guys have said about Batman. I think it's a good portrayal of him. I don't necessarily love his character in this. I think he's very, very douchey, um, and there's not a good other word I can put to it. Um, but I think that's why it works. Yeah. Finally we're like, oh, and he's an a-hole. Like, we're going to write it that way. They're trying to, for, what they're trying to do here is they, they don't want Batman and Superman to ever be on the same side here. They want to basically create a civil war between the DC heroes. That's basically what Kingdom Come is. So obviously. It's an insult to, I think based on the MCU, and I think we have, we, we have to read the new, the comic book version of Civil War, but based on the MCU Civil War, it's an insult to compare these, compare Kingdom Come to Civil War. This was far superior. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, but it's this came first too, so I think that's important to know. Um, but even before the comic book version, but it's essentially Mark Waits. What he's trying to do is kind of create these different teams, these different ideolo- ideologies of Batman and Superman, and how they compare to each other in a more extreme state. So I I think that's what they do, and they do a good job of doing so. Um, and that's why Superman and Batman they don't even have any conversations really about it. It's very much no, you're stuck in your ways, I'm stuck in mine. And they're both valid. Superman doesn't understand why Batman won't work with him when they've been on the same page for so many years. But Batman says his biggest thing is you left and now you want to come back and try to make everything great again, which it's not going to happen that way. You can't leave office for 10 years and then expect things to be the same. Yeah. Um, moving on, and I think this is probably, um, I thought I was saving this to the, the, the end, but I want to make sure we, we flesh it out as much as we can. Wonder Woman traits of a leader in Wonder Woman. Um, I just want to start out by saying one thing and then I'll open up to you guys. In my opinion, Wonder Woman is has always in continuity in any story is the clear option for who should be the leader of the Justice League. Just throwing that out there. Um, I'll let us kind of talk about the story now, but I just want to make sure my stance is very clear on that. What do you guys think of her version in this story? Uh, really, really could have used blue hair. <laughs> We need that death metal blue hair. No version of Wonder Woman will ever live up to that. And I apologize, Gal Gadot. You are in second place. Wow. Wow. That's a Wait, that's Wonder a Woman's game. where it's at. <laughs> I've been trying to get my wife to dye her hair red for years, and now it's blue tips. <laughs> Apparently, Very nice. for my birthday is not a good enough reason. <laughs> <laughs> something about it taking months to grow out or something. Uh, Jojo, what, what can you tell us that maybe isn't about her hair? <laughs> <laughs> I, so this is, the reason why I love Wonder Woman's character in this, and also um, her leadership, I guess, strategy or, or type, is the fact that it just flows in and out. Um, there's a lot of nuances to leadership, and with Batman and Superman, I think they're on the extremes of a spectrum whereas wonder woman can kind of shuttle her her way across that spectrum and it works with her character and i think that's what true leadership is is sometimes you have to take an approach 
that is totally contrary to how you would handle another approach. And too often, I think, and this is true in real life, too often, I think leaders rely on one approach or one way to get things done. But really, you you do have to be very, very flexible. And Wonder Woman portrays that to perfection in this story. Yeah, I think one thing I want to say about this is what I like about her in this is that fluidity that you're talking about. Um, the other thing that's cool is that she starts off as the lieutenant of Superman in this, which I hate that idea of her being his right-hand man or whatever. Um, but I like that when he doesn't do things the way she thinks should be done, she's like, no, nah, we're doing it this way instead. Because he can't make a decision. So she's like, no, we're doing this. We're going and we're fighting them. We're starting a war. How many times does Clark say, I don't know, in this comic book? Like, what should we do, Clark? I don't know. Wow, gee whiz, thanks for the leadership. Wonder what he's pissed about. Probably. She's probably already wondering why he's in charge. <laughs> She's like, you I prob- led an army of Amazonian women. Why are you in charge? <laughs> I think we're all in agreement that Wonder Woman is probably the best example of leadership in this comic book. And I think a very underrated component of leadership, especially in comics where you have so many characters that their whole mantra is do not kill. I hate to say this. This is going to sound horrible, but if somebody in comic book says, do not kill no matter what, I drop them down a tier. To me, that is contradictory to accomplishing your supposed goal. Now, if that's Batman and Gotham, if that's Superman and keeping the world safe, yes, should this hypothetical world that they live in involve putting these criminals in the penal system? Absolutely. But I'm sorry, if you capture joker for the 80th time and put him right back in arkham like you're kidding yourself kill him like they're killing people like you 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 cost lives over and over because you refuse to kill the bad guy and i think an underrated component of leadership is making the tough decision and getting your hands dirty so that other people don't have to and that obviously there's lines and i'm not trying to say getting your hands dirty and going crossing lines all over the place is the wrong thing but if one person is extremely dangerous and the penal system has in your world has proven to not be able to take care of it, I would want my superhero to finish the job. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting off of that too is one of the questions I had with Wonder Woman is, okay, but what separates her from Magog if they're both willing to kill? So the, the answer that I came up with, I want to get you guys' take too. Magog killed Joker basically in cold blood in a trial. He's already in the trial. Yeah. He doesn't do it on a battlefield. Um, and I get it with the characters like the Joker, maybe they should be killed, but at least let them go through the justice system first. And then, you know, frankly, the Joker would have like 10 death penalties on his head. They just need to move him up on the list. Death row shouldn't be that long for him. But anyways, with, with Wonder Woman, she's saying they're rioting at the prison. They're breaking out. This is already going that direction and you're not willing to respond, Clark. I'm going to. Like, Well, well the idea I think is using non-lethal force in these ridiculous combat scenes that we get in comic books is very inefficient. Like you have to work harder to not kill them and it ends up costing you good lives, right? Yeah. There's like a war and one side refuses to use weapons and the other side is shooting people. It's like, well, we don't really want to kill anybody. Okay, but by choosing to not fight with back <laughs> with weapons, You're more yourself. people are going to die on your side. And that's kind of where I think this debate gets interesting is like Wonder Woman's idea is people are going to die if, and there is a conflict present. And we need to fight in a way that ensures that it is the bad people who die and not the good people. And that's the difference between Magog killing that guy sitting, you know, the Joker sitting on trial. I mean, that's insane, right? That's not very heroic. It doesn't make people feel safer. What was, is it better for the world in the long run? Probably, but there's like a clear line that you crossed. I think we can all agree upon. Well, I think with Wonder Woman, that just adds to the checklist of qualities that she has is being able to make those tough decisions, even if it kind of goes against the grain of what you would consider, right? Kind of your moral code, right? Is taking that, taking that step back, being that outside perspective, um, which is interesting because Norman McKay, he's he's basically is that point of view, right? Being that outside perspective, and there's parallels between him. And even Spectre tells him that, that he's, he's like, you're more similar or you're similar to these gods or these superheroes than, than you really think. And I think that's kind of a, a tip of a 
tip of a hat to Wonder Woman, right? Is being able to take a step back and look at the big picture. Actually, can I read that? Can I read that quote that you're referring to? He yeah. says, Spectre says to Norman McKay, he says, be well, Norman McKay. You have watched the Titans walk the earth and you have kept stride. Perhaps you are more like them than you realize. Mm. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. It pulls them down a little bit and shows them as fallible people struggling to make hard decisions and elevates Norman McKay, who is the everman in this story, and puts him on par with them. Because in the end, he was the one that was able to negotiate peace, basically, Superman, calm him down, talk him off the ledge, avert another crisis, where, to the best of his ability, Superman was not able to avert a crisis and was about to make things worse. So all the superpowers in the world be darned if you can't make good decisions. Yeah, I think that's a good way to, to end the discussion with Wonder Woman. I think we're clearly in agreement she's the best choice for being, being a leader. Um, a couple other honorable mentions for leaders that I want to just briefly mention. Um, we can kind of talk about them a little bit. I think another good example that we see here is we see the leadership of Aquaman, for example. He's in Atlantis, and he basically tells them, this is a, a quote that Aquaman says a lot, which I think has become cliche, but I think it's a really solid point. When he says, you're trying to manage... 30% of the world, all of you guys, I've got the whole C, 70% to manage. I, I think that Even, that needs like a population count to have. Yeah. <laughs> because like, yeah, but isn't the water empty? Like, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. And maybe all it's life. like densely populated, but in order to make that have weight, he needs to say like the, the land walker population is like a billion and I have 5 billion <laughs> people down here. That would be impactful. Yeah. Right. Nice enough who's new, down there. He needs a new PR guy. Yeah, uh, but we know how many people are in Atlantis, that's for sure. <laughs> Unless he's counting the fish, and then it's like, oh, what do you, you know? If it's counting the fish, what do you but, have to do for the fish? Really? Hey, but you got to care about the fish, too. Do I? I don't know. <laughs> that's what my argument was. It's like, oh, you guys have to take care of 10 billion people. Try taking care of, like, 100 billion fish. Okay. Aquaman is just a poor man's Namor. He is. He came second, so I can't argue that. Did he? He did. He's like Th Thanos came second to Dark Side, so we go both ways. Scrotum <laughs> face. Yeah, but re the real question is, where does Mer Mermaid Man sit among the underwater heroes? I didn't know that that was a hero. Mermaid Man from SpongeBob. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Of course. <laughs> He's out there in this leadership for sure. Without a doubt, yeah. Justice! Oh, what is he yell? Evil! He always screams, evil! <laughs> oh, I'm getting us all t-shirts that say evil. Oh, I did want to... I did, so I was confused about John Jones in this comic. Was it that he just aged so much that he kind of became, like, senile? And he just... Yeah, he's with the trauma of what happened and the trauma of think of everything that he had lost too. I think watching another world fall kind of did it to him. There's a lot of interesting takes on characters with this that I wish if I could read this book 15 times and have a different focus each time. Like I thought seeing Dead Man in this, I don't know if you know who he is. He's the skeleton that appears and talks oh, to Oh, that was random. Yeah, so he's a member of the Justice League Dark in continuity. What? Yeah, he has the ability to, he's a spirit who has the ability to uh, basically go through the astral plane, but also like, uh, possess people's bodies and like control them for a little bit he's actually a hero so he's got he's creepy but he's he's a hero he's not a villain so justice league dark which is more like magic based hero so seeing him was interesting there's a lot of these characters that kind of pop up in the background um and i i just it's there's a lot to unpack in this story uh one other person i want to mention i think specter and norman are just interesting to mention because of the fact that they are the narrators of this story um i think norman's role as a leader in a sense, he's the one that calms Superman down. So I like that a lot. I even like Flash being a leader in Central City as a guardian angel. We talked about Flash's appearance in this is awesome. The fact that he basically lives in the speed force and can't contain himself to one plane. What was the impact of the Spectre taking his hood off and being redheaded just to show his humanity? Uh, it's just, yeah. So it's to show that he's Jim Corrigan, like that he- He's for, still the guy. Yeah, he's still the guy, but he's got the spectral force or whatever in him. Interesting. Yeah, this is a weird character. This book didn't feel the need to explain a lot of things. Yeah. But like, I really liked how Batman was in like an exoskeleton. And I yeah. just assumed it was because a lifetime of crime fighting had more of an impact on a mortal man than it did on anybody else. And that would, but they could have explained that. I think that would have yeah. been a powerful point. Like, but. It is weird. Like, Dick Grayson's Red Robin instead of Nightwing. There's just a few weird things in there that I, 
I don't know why they chose to do that. Oh. Um, and like Wally West is the Flash, but he looks like Jay Garrick. I, I, I don't know why they made some of those changes, maybe just for costume design reasons. Um, but I think overall, we can all agree it's a great story. Give us some good examples to talk about leadership. Um, one more thing I said we talked about at the beginning. So before we move on to the general discussion, art. Um, so Alex Ross is known as being one probably the greatest comic book artist, but he's interesting because he's not necessarily your day-to-day -day comic book artist where he's doing the panels. He usually is just doing a cover and he does a lot of gallery art pieces based off of comic book characters. So seeing him do an entire comic like this is pretty rare. Um, I'd say for him, I love it. The art is incredible and the detail to every panel is unmatched by a lot of things. There's very few artists I can say that do it. The only one that comes to my mind that's modern is Mitch Gerard's, um, but I just don't see that that much. What did, I know what, I'll let maybe um, Trey go first, talk about what he kind of thought. I You have full disclosure to do what say. Yeah, I, I, I think my official stance is I really appreciate the art style. And I think it, what's cool about it is you take comic books and you put them in a different, almost a different medium to where it would like, it would look cool framed on a wall in a very fancy frame frame like some kind of classical painting and I think I really like his style for covers I thought I, I felt like I got enough of it by like the end of the first comic and I wanted yeah. to go back to like the other style just just a personal preference I like comic book art from like the mid like 2000s on with the black outlines and the, the sharp colors but it's just preference I just thought after 200 pages it was kind of a lot but it's very unique and I think it has a place in comic books well, I think it's it's because of the storyline as well. Like the storyline, there's so many elements to it that you can kind of get lost in the art. And so it can overcomplicate it, right? Um, so I, I can definitely see that. I think it's good to do like an Elseworld story in a drastically different art style too. Yeah. So it's very obvious, even when you think back on it, that this is not normal. And I guess if that, if that was intentional, then I totally, I totally get it. And I wouldn't surprise me if it was, because I think one of the other big things is that we haven't touched on this, the costume designs too. You've got Batman and kind of the exoskeleton. Superman has a clear black symbol instead of the classic color. That's interesting. Um, so you get some of these designs that are very different. Um, I actually like Alan Scott, Green Lanterns. The armor. The armor is really cool. Like the, the Green Lantern energy-based armor is, is awesome. Um, so you get a very different design. I personally love the art. I it's very well known, um, really good. So moving on, we wanted to kind of open this up from Kingdom Come to General Comics for a few minutes now. Basically, um, some examples that you guys have thought of in comics as kind of the best leaders and then maybe some overhyped leaders that you basically just think are overhyped. Um, what do you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is I go to the various team leaders throughout comics and whether that's the teams we're talking about are either the Justice League or the Teen Titans or uh, the Avengers, obviously, if you cross over, Guardians of the Globe, if you're talking the Invincible Universe. The one that stands out to me, and I think it, it's recent, and that may be why it's on my mind, but I think it's because I misunderstood his character for a long time. I, I actually have a lot of respect for Cyclops as a leader and would probably put him in the top, top three to five. He gets this reputation, and I think it's part of the X-Men movies, that he's just this boy scout and he's boring and he makes the easy decision or the hardest kind of like captain america it's like no x is right y is wrong we never we do this blah blah, blah. but you read we read x messiah and the x comp the messiah complex excuse me and we see cyclops form a strike force of heroes who are willing to get their hands dirty i mean the x-men operate in a basically non-lethal environment and he realizes that this situation requires lethal violence there are people out there that are going to extinguish the mutant race if he doesn't call on a higher power and he puts together a strike force of deadpool and wolverine and his son nathan cable and domino and when that comes to light a lot of the other x-men part ways with him and what i like about that is he's willing to sacrifice what he's comfortable with he clearly doesn't like killing people but he realizes that when the time comes and it's necessary he will do whatever it takes to protect the mutant race and he is a far superior leader than charles xavier and he he's a man that his leadership even commands the respect of namor who is like marvel's biggest douchebag like when namor when cyclops called on namor who is half mutants and half atlantean to come help the mutant race namor did it and he took orders albeit he didn't like it but he took orders from cyclops and that says that's just pretty much all of it to me <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's a good example. And you and I talked about this in the past that, just like with Cyclops, I think he gets a really bad 
stereotype for him because of how the movies portray him and that's not how he is in the comics which is important to know yeah well the one that stands out to me i guess is wonder woman and between the two between this one and uh, dc uh death metal i've just really grown to appreciate wonder woman and, and what she brings to the table as a leader because I think she plays the role, as I mentioned earlier, where she she can be flexible, she can be fluid, she can be the team player, or she can be the leader. You put her in any role, and it seems like she just excels in it. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have to say Wonder Woman is, is for me anyway, the best leader in college. Yeah, I think she's a great example. And, I mean, not to be a dead horse, but she's my number one option for, for leading the league. Um, but my number two for honestly, my, my favorite leader isn't going to surprise you guys. It's actually Nightwing. Um, I've mentioned it before in the Nightwing episode, so I won't go too deep into it, but the basic reason is. I almost said it just to screw you. I almost took Nightwing as my option just because I knew. (laughs) I've got got other ones too. (laughs) He he is in the, he, I guess he's ranked like, so they actually have Nightwing just before Cyclops. So it's interesting that you guys both. No, I actually agree. He might be a better leader. Yeah. between two titans and it's just it's hard not to give it to him because he's got the tactical background with batman but he's got the personality to be more flexible he's more centered on hope more lighthearted. um he's got the experience growing up leading the team titans he's led the justice league he's, he's just taken on so many roles he's been a spy it's just he kind of fits the build for everything where he can go between that role of motivating with arsenal who's a drug addict you see him kind of work through it with him a lot and be patient with him. And then the next day he's out in the field commanding his team. So it's like, it's hard not to give it to him for me. Um, I think one of them is still more qualified. Um, a couple thousand years of experience. Yeah. On, on dig there. Yeah. But I, I think Nightwing's a good example. Um, a couple other honorable mentions. I like Aqualad a lot, actually. I think he's a good one. Um, True. He was good in Team Titans. Yeah. He's good in Team Titans. And then the, in the rebirth run, Damian Wayne starts out as a leader and Aqualad actually takes it from him because people hate Damian. So they give it to Aqualad when he joins the team. Um, those are good ones. Marvel, I think Cyclops is a good example. Um, it's hard for me to pick someone from the Avengers just because I don't think Cap is a good one. I don't think I don't think Cap is a good one. I don't know who should lead the Avengers, to be honest. Yeah, that's an interesting point because obviously the X-Men and the Avengers will cross over, but they don't really work together a lot. Like there's very rarely do... Very few X-Men, I believe, actually join the Avengers at some point. Something that we'll have to unpack and then we talk about yeah, later. Who should I, lead the Avengers is a great is a great point. We might have to touch on that. Can we at least determine right now from the MCU or no? I think it's still hard. I if you have something off the top of your head. Probably John Walker. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, they all act as government agents anyway, so what Fury? Like I don't know who you're supposed to pick for that. Yeah, no, we'll have to look at, we'll have to come up with that. Oh, that's we'll have to think about it. That's a great, that's a great discussion point. I, I think it is worth discussing like poor leaders as well. I actually think Magneto strikes me as a decent leader. I hate most of his goals, but I think he point. seems to inspire the people who agree with him and, and gets them to work for him. And then he kind of looks out for his own. Doom, I think, is another great leader. And again, you could disagree with what he's trying to accomplish, but whether or not he does it well is something else entirely. And then what's interesting, I've been reading a comic series right now called uh, Deadpool Mercs for Money. And Deadpool is a leader of a mercenary team. And the team is consisted of a couple random characters. One of them is Solo. Uh, Domino is involved in the story, but doesn't want to work for Deadpool. And the whole thing is basically, I think in issue three of five, they quit because Deadpool is a terrible leader. And then it comes up again in their, like any of their recurring stories. Like one point Solo is working for somebody. He's like, you are a terrible leader. And that says a lot because I worked for Deadpool. And I just think it's interesting. Like some characters just aren't cut out for it. And that's absolutely okay. You know, Deadpool works on the X-Force and he's a good little grunt soldier, but not a great leader. Yeah, I think giving up a good point that there are bad guys who are good leaders too. I think the Black Adam from DC um, I think of Ra's al Ghul, great leader for League of Assassins. Not saying their motives are good or what they're doing is good, but as far as gathering people together and carrying out a task, it's they do a good job at it. Yeah. I think Namor and Aquaman both strike me. Dr. As- Doom. Go ahead. Dr. Doom, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, Doom's a good one. Okay. Well, I think this is probably a good, good place to kind of end the discussion on leadership. What we really want to do is just kind of unpack some of the good leaders, talk about some of the qualities that, that are portrayed, um, and just close off. If you haven't read Kingdom Come, that's something that you should. It's one of the first things I read in comics. I think it's a good one to um, get your feet wet because it is self-contained. It's just a good story. Um, there's a few things you might understand, but I think overall it's, it's a really good self-contained story. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll post a link to that uh, YouTube channel in the description of this podcast. So if you are curious, maybe you don't have time to read it, but like to listen in the car, it's a good, it's a good listen. Thanks for that rec from Jojo. But nothing else to discuss. So I guess we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks.